Welcome to Macro Monday on Investec Focus Radio SA, a podcast about what's driving global and local markets. I'm Chris Holdsworth, Chief Investment Strategist at Investec Wealth and Investment. Every Monday morning, I'll update you on key developments from the past week and what you need to know about the week ahead. If you'd prefer to watch a video with the graphs and charts I referred to in the podcast, just go to investec.com forward slash Macro Monday. Good morning. This week, we'll have a look at the results of our latest GISG meeting and what that means for our risk allocation. We'll have a look at movements in markets across the globe in January so far relative to December and what that means for diversification. And finally, we'll do a preview of the MPC meeting due later this week. We're going to start off with GISG, our Global Investment Strategy Group. Now, the purpose of this committee, which is populated by investment professionals in our UK, Swiss and SA offices, is to come up with a view on how much risk we should be taking throughout our portfolios. A score of minus three would be very risk off. A score of plus three would be very risk on. And at the last meeting, the risk score was changed from minus 0.5 to minus one. It was minus 0.5 for the last two years. So we've been fairly regularly underweight risk. We're now going to reduce our exposure even further. The primary reason for that is that we saw a very strong rally in risk assets in November, December last year without an appreciably better outlook for the global economy. The U.S. is still expected to slow. This table shows consensus forecasts for GDP growth for the next two years. And the current consensus forecast that the U.S. will grow by 1.3% next year 1.7% the year after. So growth is slowing. In addition to that, we likely to see some form of margin compression for companies because not only is growth slowing, but inflation is slowing too. So you're going to get weaker top line growth that typically would be associated with fewer opportunities to expand margins. That's not reflected at all in the consensus forecast, which is still quite bullish for earnings over the coming year. In addition, it's not at all reflected in valuation, where we find very limited margin of safety in the US. So very much at the back end of the cycle, we've shifted our risk allocation down. We're waiting for better opportunities to increase our risk score, which we'll do in future. It's worth emphasizing that this is a very uncertain period at this point. We've got wars in the Middle East and Europe and potential knock-on consequences for global trade and inflation. But in addition to that, the outlook for inflation more broadly is quite uncertain. The outlook for interest rates is quite uncertain. And this is a view that's expressed by central banks themselves. They're saying these are very volatile times. It's also reflected in sell-side forecasts. There's a wide range of sell-side forecasts for where the S&P 500 is going to end the year, where the 10-year bond yield is going to end the year, where interest rates are going to end the year as well. A huge range of possible outcomes over the coming year. In that sort of environment, we would like a margin of safety. And as mentioned before, we're not really finding in evidence, particularly in the U.S. market, which is the largest market across the globe. Okay, on to what's happened of late. So during January so far, there's been a slight uptick in short dated yields, particularly in the U.S., as the market has started to reconsider the conviction that was attached to several cuts from the Fed over the coming year. The uncertainty mentioned before with regards to inflation has meant that the market is no longer convinced that the Fed is going to be cutting rates by 160 basis points over the year ahead. And that's been reflected in slightly higher two-year bond yields. It's also been reflected in higher 10-year bond yields, and we've seen an uptick in 10-year bond yields across developed markets and emerging markets. And the slopes of the yield curve have picked up slightly, and in fact, what we've seen is a part reversal in January of the optimism that we saw in December. 
We can see that more clearly if you look at 10-year bond yields across the globe and you look at the change in December compared to the change in January. And for countries that saw a sizable decline in the 10-year bond yield in December, those are the countries that have seen a sizable increase so far in the 10-year bond yields in January. It doesn't completely offset the move, but it's of the same direction. The countries that benefit most from the optimism that was in evidence in December are the countries that have seen the 10-year bond yields increase the most so far January to date. And it's not just in 10-year bond yields. We've seen a similar move in currencies. The currencies that were stronger in December are those that have been weakest so far in January. And it's true for equity markets too, with the exception of China. Equity markets, global equity markets that saw the biggest improvements in December have been the ones that have been weakest so far in January, again, with China as an exception. The reason I'm highlighting this is it points to two very important considerations. The first is that most of the globe at this point is a bet on short-term rates. When the view on short-term rates changes, 10-year bond yields change, short rates change, currencies change, equities change, and they all change in the same direction. So there's a widespread effect from very small changes in medium-term interest rate expectations. The second point is linked to that. That means that it's quite difficult to diversify at this point. You've got a whole wide range of asset classes which are a singular play on one macro factor. And as a result of that, asset classes that offer diversification, we think, are more valuable in the current environment. And that, too, is another reason why we've reduced our risk score. Switching to China, Chinese GDP missed. But we do need to recognize that it was a pretty strong number. Chinese GDP growth at 5.2%, mildly below the consensus of 5.3%. The issue in China isn't the real GDP numbers, which are still looking pretty good. It's nominal GDP. Inflation in China is negative. But that means that nominal GDP growth is running below real GDP growth. Nominal GDP growth in China is running at about 3.7% year on year. It's very difficult to grow out of your debt when nominal GDP growth is very low. You need nominal GDP growth to be much higher. This also reflects very weak top-line growth for companies as well. So that's the issue in, in China. And as a result, we can still expect stimulus to come, even though the real GDP numbers are good. We can still expect stimulus to come to try and encourage more inflation in China, given that inflation is running well below zero and the central bank target is three. Switching to elections in the US, just a minor point, we'll provide regular updates on this over the year ahead. But the betting market at this point has Trump as a very slight favorite, around about 50-so percent chance of winning. Biden is just a bit below 50%. The polls are very close between the two. We'll monitor this as it changes over time. And as their policy announcements from both candidates coming, we'll incorporate that into potential consequences and scenarios for the US economy over time. And finally, on South Africa, we've got an NPC meeting this week. The market consensus is that there will be no change to the repo rate. It's a unanimous view. Every single contributor to the Bloomberg consensus believes that rates will not change. It's our expectation, too, that rates will not change at this meeting. The market is pricing in around about three cuts, three twenty-five cuts from the Saab over the year ahead starting in June. And there is an inconsistency with the U.S. expectation. The market is pricing in more cuts 
from the Fed and for them to start sooner than the MPC. So there is this disconnect between the two. We think that the market is still underappreciating the ability for the Saab to cut over the coming year. And having said that, it's extremely unlikely that they will be cutting this week. And we will provide more updates over the year ahead, but we are of the view that they're likely to cut by around about 100 basis points over the year ahead, rather than the consensus of 75 at this point. And that's where we're going to end for this week. That's all for this episode. Do tune in next week for more investment insights from me, Chris Holdsworth, and the Investec Wealth and Investment team. If you haven't yet added us to your podcast feed, you can subscribe to Investec Focus Radio SA wherever you listen. And please take a minute to rate our podcast so we can surface this content to the broader investment community. If you want to see the graphs that are referenced in the podcast, you can watch a video version of this recording at investec.com forward slash macromonday. The views expressed are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily represent the views of Investec Wealth and Investment International and should not be taken as advice, guidance, or recommendation. Investec Wealth and Investment International, a member of the JSC Equity, Equity Derivatives, Currency Derivatives, Bond Derivatives, and Interest Rate Derivatives Markets, an authorized financial services provider and a registered credit provider.